Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. When a star dies, it can go out with a bang or it can go out with a whimper. This week we look at star death. When a star dies, there's a number of different causes. Some get incredibly huge, others collapse in on themselves or become really cool white dwarfs. But all of them leave behind some trace, which we can help solve the murder mystery of how a star dies. This week, three very different murder cases of stellar deaths. Just what happens when a star dies? Well, there's many different paths that you can go down, and that depends a lot on your size and your type of star. If you're incredibly big, well, you might just explode in an incredibly supercharged supernova, scattering the elements that made up the star and the surrounding objects deep into space, seeding the universe with stardust, as Carl Sagan put it. That's one way to go. Another way is to get so big that you collapse in on yourself and become a black hole. Maybe you're not quite big enough and you collapse in on yourself to become just a very cool, burnt-out star, a neutron star, a white dwarf, as another way a star may die. Now, researchers from the University of Warwick have been looking at white dwarf stars and trying to understand exactly how these stellar objects die. And there's a good reason for doing so, aside from solving the mysteries of the universe. Stars like our Sun, Sol, are categorised as white dwarfs. Now, they have often some pretty interesting properties. Now, white dwarfs are some of the oldest stellar objects in the universe, and they're incredibly useful to astronomers because they have a really predictable life cycle which means you can use them as a cosmic clock to establish the relative age of the stars around them in different neighbouring groups. It means you get a really good barometer on how the stars are going. Now, white dwarfs are the remnants, the remaining cores of red giants. After these huge stars have died off and shed all their outer layers, and they're constantly cooling and shrinking, releasing all that stored up heat over a billion of years. And we call them white dwarves. Now, there's around 15,000 white dwarf candidates in the 300 light year window around Earth. And that is, seems like a lot, but that's not actually that a large number. But as scientists from Warwick University have been analysing this treasure trove of information from the Gaia satellite, They've been looking at the stars' luminosities and colours and trying to get a feel for, well, what exactly is left once these stars just close out their day? What, what's left to burn? Well, not a lot. That's why they're white dwarfs. Very cool. Just releasing heat. But when they looked in this treasure trove of data, they identified a pileup, a huge number of stars at really specific colours and luminosity. They didn't seem to have any correlation to age or mass. And when you looked at the evolutionary model of stars, this is the time of a star's life that we expect them to be releasing all these heat, but instead we can see them cooling and we're not quite sure what is going on. But they've definitely slowed down their aging by around 2 billion years or 15% of the age of the galaxy. 
So what is causing them to stop? Well, Dr. Tremblay and other researchers from University of Warwick have pointed out that well, it's quite possible, and using the data they've collected, that what's happening to these white dwarfs is they're starting to crystallise. Put it another way, they're transitioning from liquid to solid, which is incredibly interesting and very, very odd. Now, long been thought that if they were to have white dwarves crystallise at certain luminosities or ages, you could look for the certain colours. You would see clusters of certain colours and frequencies. That would mean that, yes, crystallisation is taking place. That is exactly what Dr. Tremblay and the team have found. And this has only been discovered because of the Gaia satellite. Before, we'd only identified around 100 to 200 white dwarves with precise distances and luminosity. But now that number is in excess of 200,000. And these ultra-dense, super-cool stars give us great insight into the age of the universe. But how exactly does a star like the Sun become a crystallised white object? Well, it has to do with what's left over, which, after a star burns through all its fuel, is an awful lot of oxygen and carbon. And it can't really do much with that. Now, what ends up happening under the extreme pressure in the white dwarf cores, atoms are packed so densely together that their electrons become unbounded, which leaves a conducting electron free to float, governed by quantum physics, of course, like in a fluid form through the charged nuclei. When the core starts to cool and cool and cool, and get down to the cold temperature of 10 million degrees, which is very cold for a star, but incredibly hot for you and me. When it gets down to that temperature, enough energy has been released that the fluid begins to just solidify, forming a solid metallic core at its heart, with the outer part of its mantle, the surface, encased in carbon. Solid. Now, this has two effects. It keeps the star from losing heat and energy, and buys it time, which is incredibly interesting, because... This means that the star is effectively staving off death by building a hardened crust around itself. And this is potentially the fate of our very own sun in about 10 billion years. Now this is pretty exciting research out of University of Warwick that is only possible through the great data generated by the Gaia satellite, helping us find out what will happen to our own sun in the future and shed some light on these very cool objects in our universe, the White Dwarfs. Another way that a star can die is, of course, for it to go supernova, as I talked about earlier. But there's a number of different types of supernova, just as there's many different types of stars in our galaxy and our universe. So one of the interesting types of supernovas is, of course, what happens when a white dwarf gets enough density in it, it sort of collapses in and of itself, to a point where, well, it can then just not take it anymore. It hits the Chavasco limit and collapses to then explode out in a supernova. Or sometimes maybe two white dwarfs orbiting each other collide, releasing all this energy and causing thermal runaway, and thus another supernova. But if there's some really, really big stars, 
Well, if they get so large, many, many times the size of our sun, red giants, if they collapse from burning through all of their fuel really fast, whilst they're still super giant, well, they too can release a pretty spectacular type, or type two, supernova. These are massive stars, they undergo core collapse, and these create really interesting and massive supernovas as well. But all supernovas have basically the same thing happening. A star, through either gravitational core collapse or another of mechanisms, collapses in of itself and explodes outwards, releasing a huge amount of light, radio waves, radiation, energy, you name it, scattering the remnants of its own fuel that was left in its core and that of anything around it across the universe. Supernova burn incredibly brightly, so bright that one all the way back in the 1400s was seen by the naked eye and lasted for days and could be visible faintly during the day. That means it's more powerful, or powerful enough that you could see it, even though our sun was shining. They're incredibly fascinating, but relatively, thankfully, rare. We see them happening, and trying to capture them happening with all our observatories is a very intricate and delicate task. But by studying a supernova in action, we get some really cool insights into what happens at the end of life of a star, but also some incredibly complex parts of physics and astronomy. And a really good example of that is to take a look at a binary star system. This is a star system that has two stars. Sometimes we can imagine them like a twin star system, but that's not nearly always the case. You can often have two stars of very, very different sizes and types, which makes, well, the whole behaviour of that system incredibly complex. And like any complex relationship between two or more people, sometimes things get out of hand. And we talked about supernovas from occurring from just the star collapsing in and of itself, but it's also possible for another companion star to frustrate, perturb, anger its partner star so much that, well, that star just gives up and explodes and leaves behind a tremendous supernova and amount of debris and data for scientists to analyse. And that is exactly what University of Washington astronomer Melissa Graham has been doing. And she presented her paper on this topic at the American Astronomical Society's meeting in Seattle and published it in the Astrophysical Journal. She was investigating a supernova at the location SN215CP, which was about 545 million light years away. She had to undertake a lot of detective work to try and figure out well, what on earth had exploded and happened here. They could clearly see the remnants of one supernova and also of a carbon-oxygen-rich white dwarf star. So what exploded? What was the partner here? What left behind this carbon-oxygen-rich white dwarf scattered, interestingly, with a large amount of hydrogen-rich debris? Now, when you look at the debris, you get a great insight into what was potentially there in the past. Because that debris is the telltale signal or trace of the original star that went supernova. Now normally, one would expect in a type 1a type supernova like this that the companion could be another carbon-oxygen-rich white dwarf. Two stars of a similar type, one of them exploding. That would at least seem at least symmetrical, if nothing else. But that kind of star going supernova would not yield huge amounts of hydrogen scattered everywhere. 
And not only could they detect this hydrogen, that hydrogen was getting forced out by that, by that supernova at such a large speed, 10% the speed of light, it hit and crashed into all the debris around the white dwarf, emitting huge amounts of ultraviolet light that was glowing in space for nearly two years after the initial explosion. And that is particularly incredible to think about. That's what enabled the Hubble Space Telescope to find this in the first place. So if that was the case, if it couldn't be a white dwarf, an oxygen-rich white dwarf that caused the supernova, the only other real explanation is a hydrogen-rich red giant. And that would have to be triggered by this small neighbouring white dwarf. So the white dwarf fed and gave energy and frustrated the red giant and provided the trigger point for that red giant to go supernova. And that red giant would have left behind lots and lots of hydrogen that not only lit up and glue that stellar debris a nice ultraviolet sheen, but also enabled us to figure out what exactly went on here. There's some great work being done by Mr. Grant to try and piece together a stellar murder mystery and find out exactly how some stars die. Now another incredibly unfortunate way for a star to meet its end is to be torn apart by a black hole. And that is exactly what scientists observed all the way back in 2014, in November. It was a super cosmic rare event, a supermassive black hole lying at the heart of a centre of a galaxy around 300 million light years away. Had a star pass in front of it. but. In an event known as tidal disruption flares, the black hole pulled apart that star piece by piece, creating an X-ray burst, a huge amount of X-rays just unleashed near the centre of that galaxy. And ever since then, observatories have trained their sights, focused in on that particular event, or at other cores of galactic centres, to try and figure out how on Earth these supermassive black holes Feed, and what on earth happens when this occurs. Now, researchers from MIT have been poring over all of that collection of data over years and years and years and years. And what they found is some incredibly interesting signals. Periodic pulses of X-ray bursts across all of those different data sets from all of those different observatories. Now, what is interesting if you look at where all these signals came from, they came from incredibly close, right at the edge of that black hole's event horizon. To just speak a little bit about a black hole, of course a black hole is something that is so dense that no matter can escape from it, but that period just at that edge where you can no longer get out again, that's called the event horizon, after which there's no coming back. All the matter and light is trapped in there. So what they're finding is a big burst of signals of x-rays coming from just at that event horizon and periodically pulsing and flashing, brightening and fading every 131 seconds precisely. And it lasted for over 450 days. Now that's incredibly interesting. 
very stable and very long-lasting for a star that's being consumed. But when you think about it in terms of stellar terms, 450 days is barely a blink of an eye in a star's lifetime. So that does make sense that a star so huge would take so long to be eaten up, gobbled up, swallowed by this black hole. Now, based on the rotation frequency and the type of signal that they found, it means that that black hole is spinning incredibly fast because for that object, which is around 1 million times the size of the sun, it has to be spinning around 50% the speed of light, incredibly fast, to try and have such a fast deconstruction of the neighbouring stellar object. And that's where researcher from MIT, Dirija Pasham, has been digging into all of this data to try and not only model the situation, but understand how a star gets pulled apart by a black hole. Now, theoretical models of tidal disruption flares show that when a black hole shreds a star apart, some of that star's material may just stay outside the event horizon, circling like water down a drain, giving a temporary reprieve for that stellar matter as it sits in a stable orbit just on the edge of the event horizon. And in this case, before all of that gets sucked into the star, it would sit there giving off periodic flashes of x-rays before ultimately falling down the drain. So much in the same way as you hear the noise of water gurgling as it swirls down a drain. Imagine this, but with the drain being a black hole, the water swirling around the edge being the remnants of a dying, destroyed star, and the gurgling sound instead being emitted X-rays. Pasham and his research colleagues thought of that they could see these regular phases so close to a black hole that had undergone such a catastrophic event, then they could really sort of prove that this model was correct. When they trawled through all of the data sets, they found a very strong and stable periodic burst of radiation basically right at the edge, as expected. And that's how they got their estimates about the speed and the intensity of this black hole. But what's interesting is spinning at 50% the speed of light, to me, sounds incredibly fast. That is faster than any human, at least in current concepts of propulsion, could ever hope to travel. But for a black hole, that's pretty slow. Because we know that most other black holes spin at around 99% the speed of light. So this would be a relatively slow black hole as it's devouring this star. But the only possible situation that Pasham and his team could think of to explain this destruction was the signal alone couldn't be explained by a single star being eaten and swallowed by the black hole. There would have to have been something else there in a stable orbit to sort of tame and draw the other one in. And that's what they believe is in the case in this case. A small white dwarf might be orbiting just at the edge of this supermassive black hole. And then, in November 2014, a second star came close enough that the black hole tore it apart. And all of the rest of those stellar remnants were sort of tamed and trapped by this white dwarf, funneled down towards the black hole, and in the meantime, give off all of these strange bursts of light. Because whenever the white dwarf came into contact with the stellar material swirling down the black hole drain, it would cause all these big sparks of x-rays, which would make sense. Now, this is incredibly rare and, not, and in a stellar sense, incredibly short-lived, but it can show the power of what can occur in a black hole and how it can cause incredibly odd and strange stellar events. 
There's some great work being done by Massachusetts Institute of Technology to piece together another stellar murder scene. This time, a black hole with an accomplice white dwarf star devouring another star, leaving behind the telltale signals of X-ray bursts. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. This week we analysed what happens and what's left behind after a star dies, from white dwarfs crystallising to supernovas and black holes. We found out the mysteries of some stellar deaths. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.